everyone, and welcome to the Riffing on Realness podcast. I'm Carla Royal, a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving entrepreneurs, and with me is Jennifer Flynn, an intuitive business strategist. If you are wrestling with how to be real in the midst of rampant superficiality, and it's causing you to overthink, be too guarded, and not live your potential, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, Jennifer and I explore how dropping the masks, being real and vulnerable, can help us connect, adapt, and find a richness of experience amid the chaos. We're glad you're here, and we invite you to tune in, slow down, and listen for your own wisdom. Hello, Jen. Hello, hello. Glad to be back. Glad to be here. Um, Jen and I were just talking before we uh, hit record about uh, our topics today, and we're thinking about, we were both just sharing as we always do. We like to just kind of share and get on the same wavelength before we hit record and have a nice connection going on. So we were both just just kind of sharing some things that are going on in our lives and, and decided that we're both sort of moving into a new normal in our lives because of various personal things and so on. And as we were discussing it, we were like, oh my gosh, this is kind of what's happening in the world right now. You know, between the pandemic and and all the fires and the storms and the this and the that and the other thing, it's, it is a really, really interesting kind of chaotic time in the world right now. It's not just you and I, Jen, with our personal things, but it's a whole a lot of other things on top of it. So we thought it would be a really useful topic to talk about, you know, this whole idea of new normal. Absolutely. And I think the other thing with normal, as you were talking, that just rang in for me was I was hearing the voice of a dear friend of mine that whenever chaos would ensue in her life, or there was a, you know, a person or an experience, you know, she would also talk about things that steal her normal. And so when we think about, you know, things that create a, a change or chaos in our world and they kind of kick us out of what our normal is, there are also things that tend to, if we give it power, that can steal our normal, that can come in and influence the things um, that we experience or the ways that we want to live. But certainly when there's times of change, I think we all, especially pandemic related, a lot of people had to adapt their lifestyle and their day-to-day world. And we all got some perspective over that period of time of what things were, things we wanted to keep, things that we maybe should have been passing on, but for whatever reasons we weren't. And now that, you know, pandemic times came and we were forced out of letting them go, we were all invited to ask ourselves what we wanted to let back in, what we wanted to keep, what we wanted to change. And somehow, I think in some ways, it gave us permission to make those changes. And, you know, um, maybe for whatever reason, we couldn't give ourselves that permission before. Well, I think that is the beautiful thing about chaos sometimes, isn't it? That it, it kind of jars us out of our whatever, our malaise or the fam- what's familiar. And I think that it's, uh, it, it, can be, it can be a blessing in disguise, although it is, it is difficult to, to navigate. It can be very difficult to navigate. You know, one of the things I think we may have mentioned this in another episode, Jen, is just that you know, interruptions, we think, we think of interruptions as things that shouldn't happen when in fact interruptions actually are the way of life. I mean, they, they, they just, they, they will never not happen. And, and so when we get sort of knocked off of our, of our normal, as it were, really, that's, 
that I'm getting ready to travel this week, this week. And I've got some practices I've been incorporating in the last several weeks. And I'm just being so disciplined right now, Jen. I mean, incredibly disciplined. But I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm getting ready to travel all day on Thursday. I'm going to be with friends all weekend. Now, what happens to my practices then? And what I know will happen is that some of them will not happen this weekend. Now, what I want to say about that is, that's just fine. <laughs> but in the past, or sometimes what I can do is I can get knocked off of, of my practices for a couple of days, and then I don't return to them. So the problem is not that I might get knocked off of them from time to time. The problem is when I go, oh, well, I can't do that now, or I can't fit, find my flow again. No, you just come back and, 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 and go forward with it. It's sort of like, a you know, one of my mantras is begin again. Because I, you know, I do things I say I don't want to do all the time. And so the mantra is begin again for me. And that helps me kind of get back to equilibrium again. Absolutely. Well, and I think we know that change is the only universal constant. Yes. There are no constants. The only constant there is, is change. Things are always going to be on an ever-changing loop or, or landscape. And, you know, when we think about going out of our norm and having, you know, discipline and focus and routine and knowing that we're going to step outside of that and then will we get back to it? Will we tell a story that, and then we can't pick it back up? You know, that, that kind of, you know, comes back to that permission thing. You know, can we fully give ourselves permission to step away from a routine and trust that we'll come back to it because we know it serves us? And I think to me, that comes down to whether or not I can do that often comes down to was I doing the thing before because I should, mm -hmm. because I, I was shooting on myself or like it was some sort of external force of guilt or whatever, or was I doing the thing because it was an internal force of it's really good for me. It makes me feel good. I like, you know, I see the purpose and value in it. It's part of my core beliefs, whatever it is. And I think it's important to give ourselves permission to not do the thing um, and know that when we're doing things from the right place, internal versus an external vehicle, we will pick it back up. I mean, I could say the same thing about exercise. Now, has exercise always been that for me? No. But what I've noticed now that I've really gotten clear about it being an internal thing for me that I do it and I, and I can feel better when I do it. And I like um, the changes that I see in my body. And that reflects on how I feel about myself internally. Then when I go and I see friends for the week, weekend, even up to a week, Maybe I'm not going to run every day. I'm still going to get some physical exercise. I'll do my push-ups, whatever. But I can more easily give myself permission to do it because I know I'll pick it back up as soon as I fall back into my normal. Yeah. I don't let things steal my normal. Um, I just give myself permission to take a break from the normal and have a little bit of variety. Yeah, that's that intention. Intention and awareness is so important. Today, I was on my walk with Pedro, and I saw this dove up on the line. Uh, what I didn't see was three more doves just literally a foot away. I didn't see those three doves until I did see those three doves. And then I noticed two more doves, just a couple. And the whole point is, our where is our attention? 
you know, what are we paying attention to and how intentional are we? And the other thing that you were talking about exercise, Jen, I just have to say this, that that I'm, I'm ex- exercising like a fiend right now. And I've wanted to do that for a long time to feel better for my well-being because it's the thing to do. And I just sort of found ways not to do it. And then it was like, I'm going to Asheville the end of the month. I want to be able to walk that city. I love that city. And it's mountainous. I live in flat. And I'm like, I do not want to be sore and exhausted. And there was something about that goal that I could touch and see and smell and get my hands around that just infused me with an energy I, I simply didn't have before. So, you know, it, it, it definitely helps to bring our intention to these things when we're trying to exercise or trying to find our new normal. Intention and attention, I think, are both mm-hmm. um, important parts of that. And, and sometimes people think they're the same thing, but they really aren't. You know, intention is, you know, kind of on that results based. How do you want it to be? What's the outcome? Whereas at attention is the action and the doing behind the intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's very important that both are, are needed in order to to go forward. So we've been living through a pandemic. We're still living through a pandemic. Um, You and I have had our little personal lives turned upside down in the last year. And uh, I know that you're sort of still in a bit of limbo. I, on the other hand, for the first time in a very long time, I am finding my new normal and it does feel good. <laughs> I think we did our last, maybe session before last, we we talked about uh, episode before last, we talked about limbo and how difficult it is to, to live in limbo. So listeners go back to, to that episode if you want to hear more about that. But uh, yes, I think it it's really interesting, Jen. I was thinking about it today. I was thinking about this last year where I've had, you know, I had a breakup, went through a breakup and I felt, you know, I have felt a lot of grief in all these months. And this morning I was sort of reflecting on, you know, how how long is it appropriate to feel grief? Now, I've certainly reflected on this many times before. You know, is it appropriate to to grieve for a day, a week, a month? How about seven or eight months? How about three or four or five years? What is interesting is that my normal is very likely going to be very different from your normal. And what is right for me is going to be a little bit different for you. So there's not a prescription here that we can say in terms of how to find your new normal. It's about, I think, really tuning into ourselves. You know, the grief that I've been feeling all these months, it started about the breakup. But then it started to go deeper and deeper into me, and I started to grieve older things, things from my younger self, you know, and if I stopped myself from that, then I wouldn't be where I am today, kind of raring to go now. I'm kind of ready to get back in the, in the flow of life again, but because I could give myself permission to go through those months and months and months of grief, I'm healthier now. I'm happier, I'm healthier, I'm happier because I was able to allow myself to do that. But we live in such a toxic culture that says this is what's normal and this is how you have to do it. I'm seeing that some people are coming out of this pandemic in a little bit of a different way. 
You know, there are people who are saying, no, I'm, I've been reading some article. No, I'm not going back to work for that shit pay. I'm not doing it. You know, I don't know what they're doing instead, but it's shocking employers that they can't get these people back now because people are, are you know, have had, I think, enough space and time to go, wait a minute, what is it that I really want? What is it that I really value? And what do I want? Not the old, I don't want to go back, as you were saying before we hopped on, Jen, back to what was normal. We're looking for a new normal. I would say maybe an evolution. Well, like we talked about in a previous episode, the great resignation and people kind of having this wake up to um, what was really important to them or where they'd been dissatisfied and, and kind of hitting their thresholds of what they were willing to take. And I think change and, you know, having your normal disruptive can be very purgative, you know, like what you were saying where there was like this grieving and then you were grieving old things. I think that that's a very natural response that once we start to open up the releasing, it like the things that were on top kind of get out of the way. And then now we can see there were things that that was shoving down and all of these things can be released to really give us the clarity and the path to find a new normal that really lets us be our most authentic and expressed selves. And kind of to your point where, you know, you're moving into maybe finding your normal, gone through a breakup, um, that sort of thing. I also had gone through a breakup um, and I'm not quite to my, as close to finding the normal, um, as maybe you are, but to your point, you know, what's the prescription? I think everybody has their own unique journey. And I think for me, what I'm noticing, and I'll be curious what you, um, think of this, but I'm finding micro normals. Like I'm uh -huh. giving myself little micro normals of, of those routines and those things like we'll use exercise as the example since we started with that. I can get exercise wherever I'm geographically at mm -hmm. in whatever transition I am. That can be a micro normal for me. Now, how I do it, when I do it, what that looks like in terms of my more or less ideal is going to vary, but I can create micro normals. I can create micro normals of my sleep and wake time. I can create micro normals of what I choose to eat and, and plan ahead for that and, and those kind of things. Now in my regular normal, if you will, and creating my new normal when I'm in a settled place and my townhouse is done and I really get to start to live my life from a place of this is my space, not having shared space with someone else for 20 years um, and also co-parenting day to day. I'm going to be finding new normals in how I choose to manage my space, how I choose to parent my child um, when it's just me. Of course, we're very collaborative in that experience, but you're not talking with another person about day to day, every little tiny thing that's going on in your house. You have a core set of values you would both agree on. And then, you know, the goal is that you're both executing them on them with your flavor, if you will. Um, but, you know, finding all those places where you can then take the micro into the macro. Um, and the same thing when you have to step out of your newly found normal knowing what parts are important enough that they need to go to the micro normal with you. I just think that's brilliant. I really do, Jen. I love that micro normal. I love that because it makes, it makes a lot of sense. You know, in the last few months going through my grieving process, my processing of all of this, you know, I, I can see, I can look back and see now that I did have some micro normals 
And I think that they probably kept me sort of sane, you know, enough, enough grounded to, to be able to move through it without really going to the utter depths. So I think that's really interesting. I also can look back and see that I was doing some things that were absolutely like not normal. Like, I mean, just collapsing and watching, oh my gosh, so much Netflix, Jen, you know, just incredible amounts of Netflix when I wasn't, um, when I wasn't working because I didn't know what to do with my time alone in this house, even though I like to be alone. I, I just didn't know what to do with myself. There were moments in that where when I was in limbo, when I wasn't in my normal, in my familiar normal, where I would sort of give myself a hard time about that. Like I would somehow beat up on myself. And I was speaking to a mentor one day and telling her how I was sort of um, collapsing on the couch and watching Netflix. And I was expecting some sort of, I don't know, I guess since I judge myself, I expect everybody else is judging me too. And she was like, oh, wow, isn't that great that you can collapse on the couch and watch Netflix until your, your, you know, your system is ready and able to process those emotions? That little perspective helped me, I guess, like make it okay that I was doing that. That was my normal at the time that I could collapse. And then, Jen, as I allowed myself to do that, what happened was one day I woke up and I said, I'm done. I unplugged the, the television and I took it out. And I haven't been watching TV since then. Now, I'm not saying everybody should get rid of the TV. Again, it's not prescriptive, right? This is what I need. I realized that I had come to a point with it that I was just numbing myself. And I no longer, my system was, uh, was, um, was, was settled enough that I was ready to do something different now. So I unplugged the, the television and moved it out. And I don't need the television anymore. So it, it's interesting isn't it how we can get so judgmental when we're out of our normal for reasons mostly out of our control? I mean, a pandemic is certainly not out of our control. A breakup is, you know, not totally in our control. That we think there's something wrong with us if we're grieving or if we're sleeping a lot or if we're eating more than we normally do or if we're not exercising too much or if we're collapsing on the couch watching Netflix all day. We somehow have this judgment of ourselves that at least for me, Jen, I don't know how it is for you, that when I start judging myself for that kind of thing, I just get deeper in it because then I'm like, well, I deserve to feel horrible. So I'm just going to do more of this. But when I can accept it as this is just something I need to do for, for this season, for this moment, for this period, then what I find is my system, just because of we have this incredible psychological and physical and emotional system, it is always seeking equilibrium. It, we're not having to make it have equilibrium. Our system, like our physical system that just automatically starts healing a cut when we get a cut, our psychological system does the same, just needs a little bit of tender uh, loving support from us. Absolutely. And I think the, you know, an interesting point you made there about, you know, the Netflix and chill (laughs) Um, was that, you know, you were doing it. And then when it was reframed for you, I think, you know, back to that 
intention versus attention, you know, when we, when we can give ourselves permission to take downtime and whatever form feels good to us and be intentional about not beating ourselves up about it and giving attention to the story we're associating with it, it makes all the difference. Now, if you were using it as an escape from something else, that might be a different story, but it was purely just a distraction. It was a, it was a letting your brain not have to process things, letting your body not have to process things, but allowing it to, like you said, when you get the cut, your body rushes to do the healing. You know, what it sounds to me like was, you know, certainly a breakup could be the equivalent of a psychological cut of some sorts Mm -hmm. and you're, system needed reset time. It needed time to allow that change to integrate and process. And so giving yourself something that brought you enjoyment or pleasure. Um, mine, I mean, I, I haven't turned I haven't watched TV in weeks. Um, but I do enjoy very much sitting back and having an, you know, a break from reality and just being entertained and there's mm-hmm. that it's 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 a very therapeutic thing for my system to just be entertained and not have to process every single thing. I'm a notorious overthinker. Me and too, so to be able to, I think for people like us, in order to shut that mechanism off, um, we need to be having an intense experience with another individual that's shutting that part off, or we need to um, have something that steps in and hijacks the system to entertain us enough that all the other things get a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a really important thing is to really ask ourselves, is this with intention that I'm taking this time out and I'm going to give myself permission to completely decompress or is it an escape from something? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think judgment kicks in and sometimes tries to hijack that dialogue and make us think that it's an escape because we maybe like you and I were talking prior to starting the show, um, you know, I was very conditioned to idle equaled lazy. Mm-hmm. And we, we kind of tell ourselves we judge ourselves if we're being idle, that there are things we should or could be doing. And I know we're going to cover some of that in a future episode where, you know, it gets to the comparison Mm -hmm. of just because this is your normal, that doesn't mean it's everyone else's normal. Just because somebody else's normal says, you know, it might look like they're just escaping their whole world and they're not being productive. And we have our own story around that. I think to your point, it really is about stepping stepping out of judgment, stepping out of self-judgment, stepping out of judgment of others. Because somebody had told me when my marriage was ending, um, you know, certainly I'd had people who were like, why don't you just call it? Like you guys have done all these different things. And it, you know what? It takes as long as it takes. That's right. And I think that's true for everything. That's it right. takes as long as it takes. And everybody's going to have a different timeline for grieving, mm-hmm. for healing. I know my children had expressed um, to us that, you know, it seemed like this happened very quickly. But what they didn't see was the behind the scenes because we would protected them from that for a period of years. And so it felt very sudden to them. Mm-hmm. And our whole point was we needed to process our own stuff before we made the change so we could help them navigate that change from a very healthy place. Not all of us in the crap together, but um, everybody's process is going to take different periods of time. Some people, things take years. Some people, things take months. Some people take weeks. Some people take days. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to process normal and change and shift 
in their own unique way. And I think it's important for not only us to give ourselves permission to do that, but for us to respect other people's process. And when, when we can give them, help them see that they can give themselves that same permission. And the way we do that is by withholding our own judgment and withholding our own experience from it being a dictator of their normal, which would be stealing someone else's normal. When we insert ourselves into their normal and we have too many opinions about what they should be doing, um, we're stealing someone's normal. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. You know, Jen, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that the more judgmental we are toward ourselves, the more judgmental we in turn are towards other people. And I, I know for me, as over the years, because self-judgment has been huge for me, it, but it, it has is definitely, definitely diminishing, thank God, because, oh, it's so painful. But I also have noticed, and correlate, correlationally, cor- correlationally, Janet, that's not a... We can make up our own words okay. here. Correlationally, correlationally speaking... <laughs> Uh, you know, my judgment of others has definitely gone back down. I, it, it took me five years to get through my mother's death. And I went to the utter depths. And I can remember people kind of pulling me aside and going, it is time for you to get back into the land of living. And I just had this sense. I, I just knew I, I wasn't ready. I couldn't. I couldn't. And I wasn't ready. And it looked, it was very messy. It was very dark. And you could even say that there were things I was doing. You could even call it escape. And, and it's true. I was. But even that was just part of what I had to go through for the transformation. And it was one of the most transformational times of my entire life. But boy, did it not look good to everybody around me. It looked like um, I was making horrible mistakes and that I, it was going to you know, people were, were worried. And I, I get that. I understand that. I was listening to a podcast uh, with uh, Tim Ferriss and, um, and uh, Anne Lamott, and she was talking about her son who went into the depths of addiction and she really wanted to help and her help didn't help. <laughs> and she said, I just knew I had the answers. I just knew it for him that would make his life better. And she said, then I realized that uh, my helping in that way was trying to make myself feel less uncomfortable. And, and how did she say it? That help, help, help is the sunny side of control. Mm. Help is the sunny side of control. And I think as people are looking to find their new normal from whatever personal things are going through or pandemic related things are going through or whatever in their life that they're going through. And we'll all face it again and again and again throughout our lives, because as you said, change is inevitable. It's the only thing that doesn't change is change. It is that, you know, your path is your path. My path, you know, I would love Jen to be able to give a prescription of how I came out of all of that darkness to where I am today Listen, I would be a multi, probably billionaire, and I could fly into space if I wanted to. But there is no such thing. There is no such prescription. It's that we, if there's a prescription, I would say it's this, maybe. I might change my mind a few minutes later. Is that if we can just get grounded enough to be able to check into our own self, our own intuition, our own wisdom, our own resilience and resourcefulness. That's where the answers are. That's where we find our path is from within, not from without. 
And everybody's looking for what's without, what's outside of them for the answers. And the answers, I was just journaling this morning, Jen, about um, I'll be 61 in just a couple of months. And I think that I'm just now like figuring out that it's all in here. You know, it's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a slow learner, you could say. But man, my path is right here, right here. Somebody else can't give it to me. Well, I think we all, to your point, learn in our own time. You know, that doesn't make you a slow learner. I think the important thing is, you know, we live and and we learn. We win or we learn. Um, there are no losers. There are no too long time frames. It takes as long as it takes. And, you know, really um, giving, I think I would agree 100% that I've, when I've been less critical of myself, I become less critical of others. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like I have been a hypercritical person my whole life, but I was effectively raised by a hypercritical person. And so it was my normal. That was my normal. Now I needed to, as I grew into my life, I needed to, unfortunately, perpetuate some of those patterns with my own children and then have to view them from a different vantage point to see that that wasn't a normal I wanted to keep. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that's another example of micro versus macro normaling. And I think if, if um, you know, if there's any big takeaway from the experience today, um, you know, I would invite all the listeners to ask themselves when they, you know, we can't connect the dots moving forward or for right now, but only in looking behind. When you look back, even during pandemic times or other transitionary times in your life, what were the micro normals that you didn't have intention or attention on that just you thought habitually or maybe serendipitously or coincidentally were carried forward and really look at the pattern of you have been micro-normaling your way through change your whole life and how can we now be intentional about that and really be purposeful in cultivating the life we most want to live by recognizing change is always going to be here Mm -hmm. but what are the things that are within our sphere of influence that are micro-normals that can be carried forward in any circumstance and give them some attention, give them some awareness and don't be habitual about it. Be intentional about it. Be clear and purposeful in making those micro normals, the foundations of your macro normal. Yeah, I really love that. And, you know, the other thing is just, and then we'll, we'll probably need to wrap up for this session is that, um, you know, and, and we don't have to judge ourselves for our old normal. You know, we were doing the best that we could in our old normal. And the more aware we become and the more attention and intention we can find and and move from, uh, the easier it's going to be. Our brains don't like change because the two priorities for the brain is to keep you safe and to conserve energy. So I always tell my clients who are making big changes that... um, because they come to me and they go, oh my God, I'm so afraid or I'm confused or I'm not clear. And I'm like, yeah, man, you're wobbly. Isn't that great? Because the wobbliness is an indication that you're actually making the change. You can't make change without feeling a measure of wobbliness because your brain is resisting. Your brain is trying to pull you back to the old normal, to what's familiar. 
So when you're in the wobbliness, um, I've been in wobbly place for months now. You're in a wobbly place. I've got some clients who are making some big changes. They're in wobbly places. And what I'm trying to, to do for myself and for my clients is help us see that this wobbliness is actually a brilliant, wonderful indication that we're doing something we want to do, which is change. I agree. And I'd love to just, you know, make a note about what you said about we're always doing our best. And I, I think that's an important thing where we all could benefit from remembering more and more is that we are all doing the very best we have with what we have at any given moment. And in my experience, where judgment creeps in is from a different vantage place. We only have judgment for something when we have a different vantage point and can see things with newfound knowledge. And then we look back on a situation and think what we should have done differently. Well, we would have done it differently if we'd had that vantage point then. That's we right. did the best with what we could had in any given moment. And, you know, if we can then suspend the judgment in the after. Mm -hmm. also helpful because you're judging it because now you have new information. You didn't have that information then. And I think we sometimes forget that um, we are now in a different vantage point. We can see things. We learned things. We accumulated the learning. We integrated the learning. And that's the only reason we now have a new opinion or a judgment about how we or others should have handled something. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, we know that our listeners are all in the midst of a lot of change just because the world is changing right now. And we wish you uh, a lot of attention and intention and gentleness with yourself. Thank you all for tuning in. And thank you, Jen. Always my pleasure. Bye-bye, everyone. You've been listening to the Riffing on Realness podcast with Carla Royal and Jennifer Flynn. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend. We would truly appreciate it if you'd rate and review this podcast, which will help others find us. You can visit me, Carla, at CarlaRoyal.com. I am a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving, high-performance entrepreneurs and business owners who are quietly dealing with too much mental chatter and anxiety. You will find Jennifer at TheBalanceMaven.com. Through her uniquely balanced approach, she combines an omnipresent, intuitive gift with experience informed strategies to help spiritually minded business owners safely explore their soul's edges and strategically build a business that is a vehicle for a life they love to live. We'll see you next time on Riffing on Realness. Mm-hmm.